0: The Athletic.
1: Totally football
2: show today. Premier League weekend. Brentford. Team called Bees wax Chelsea. Uh, which draw felt longer? FIFA's in Doha or Brighton Norwich and Liverpool? Could they be on for the quintuple? Four comps and Everton going down? Question mark. All that plus Intertotally, the final quarterfinal in this Totally football show in association with Paddy Power. listener thank you so much for joining us monday the 4th of april as we join you here at totally and three more reasons to get excited are daniel story matt davis adams and charlie eccleshire who join us for the show today hello good morning morning morning. all right charlie you're in the quiz later
3: i am yeah okay uh, then it's tense is it it is. Yeah, I saw Dom in the office last week, and Ooh. the opposite of trash talking, it was more just me saying how nervous I was, him saying how nervous he was. Your win, no, your win. Um, so, yeah. It, it but I trust you were like about two inches, faces about two inches <laughs> apart as you did this. No,
2: I'm more nervous. Flicks of phlegm, you know, very much. So. Each and, and it's all bizarre.
3: psychological warfare, you know, just getting in yeah. each other's heads. Just,
2: just in
4: jock it. straps for the weigh in as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enduring image. <laughs>
2: Uh, For subscribers so. only, that. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's coming up at the end of today's show then. Uh, that's a little treat to try and retain people's interest as we pile through a lot, of, to be fair. Pretty remarkable stuff from the weekend. There's also a bit on the World Cup draw and that and all sorts of other things. But let's get a quick roundup of the Premier League scores to begin a shot result of the weekend. Brentford's 4-1 win at Stamford Bridge. Elsewhere, the top two, Liverpool and Man City. Both had 2-0 wins over opponents from the bottom three, Liverpool against Watford. City at Burnley and They remain separated by just one point. The race for fourth saw Man United drop points again, this time with a 1-1 draw at home to Leicester. Spurs moved in to fourth place with a 5-1 statement win over Newcastle. Arsenal, meanwhile, playing Monday night at Palace. Further down, Wolves beat Villa in their local set-to. Brighton and Norwich stayed on brand with a goalless draw. Leeds, Southampton finished 1-1 and West Ham beat Everton 2-1 to leave the Toffees teetering precariously on the edge of the bottom three. Ahead of them, a midweek clash at Burnley. Ooh. All right. Much to discuss. We
5: begin at Stamford Bridge. You're listening to the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
1: Boomer has given Ziyech the slip. Eriksson alongside, joined by Tony. It's Eriksson. They've turned it around! And Christian Eriksen has come back to Stamford Bridge to haunt... Chelsea with Brentford, just as he did with Tottenham Hotspur. The bees
2: are buzzing, etc. Saturday afternoon. Busy weekend as well for their social media. Brentford Twitter account asking the question, are we world champions now? While Brentford FC USA supporters say, after weeks of speculation over who will own Chelsea, we now know that it's Brentford. Hey, Mm -hmm. Matt. Mm,
4: Yeah, Uh, just the standard... Post March April international break collapse from Chelsea, I think no need to to read too much more into it than that. I mean Brentford are the story here, really, aren't they? Just just and Christian Eriksen specifically. So I guess we ought to start ought to start with them. Just an incredible kind of ten minute salvo in the second half after after Tony Rudiger had finally scored with one of the many shots he takes from thirty five yards in in every match this season, and and Brentford just able to. Completely exposed Chelsea's defence, which always looks a bit suspect when it's a back four, I think, particularly when the youngest player in it is Rudiger, who is 29 and can often find himself out of position and and then have to recover that, which in fairness, he's he's very good at. Um, Don't want to say too much about Thiago Silva, lest I incur the wrath of his wife. But yeah, just just one of those days, I think, for Mm. Chelsea. But yeah, Brentford, I mean, Christian Eriksen, I know we're sort of struggling to find new things to say about it, but it is remarkable to watch something which is kind of almost out of the most formulaic script writer's head of man has brush with death promises mm. to to live his life to the fullest when he comes back but to actually see it unfold you know week after week on television in the time we're living in now is such a life-affirming thing it's quite amazing to witness and yeah it's kind of hard with my Chelsea hat on to to do anything but feel happy for him and Brentford after this I think
2: Absolutely. Christian Eriksen, any thoughts on why his return has been so emphatic? A player who'd become a little bit peripheral at Spurs and certainly for a long while at Inter as well.
6: I think what Matt says about his determination to make good on what time he has in the game left, I'm sure football was put into perspective, but that perspective isn't necessarily that it's meaningless because... Christian Eriksen, like all elite footballers, spent the large, well, the vast majority of his childhood trying to be an elite footballer. And once you get there, you have to work doubly hard just to stay there. So it isn't a case of, oh, I'm going to come back. It's that you have to completely commit fully to that art. And mm. by doing that, you know, it, it becomes incredibly powerful. I also think it's doubly powerful at Brentford because if you are in that Brentford squad and you'd lost let's say 6 of the 8 before Exen came in i think it was and you see a player setting a higher example in the circumstances he's doing it how could it not be anything other than than life affirming for you as well and that must create a team spirit of you know this is this is not on Christian to do it himself we owe him to make life as easy as possible for him. We owe him to, to have as much joy while he's playing for us as possible, even if that is only for six months. And it, it looks like that team spirit has basically washed over the whole squad.
2: Mm, three goals and one assist in his four games for Brentford and Denmark. Essentially, you're saying that maybe he's rediscovered a little bit of his passion for the game in his time out of it.
3: But I think as well with Eriksen, he is... Um... I mean, that is that is very possible, though, though I would say, and you'll know this better than me, James, he, he did recapture things a little bit at Inter, didn't he? I mean, I know he started slowly, but he was back in the team and quite important in the run-in last season when they won the title, and and at Spurs, I don't think anyone watching thought it was anything other than a case of it, it had just gone a bit stale, and, it, you know, he, he wanted to leave, and... It, it was just done, uh, but that was more about the relationship, I think, necessarily than the player. And, you know, the fact he only turned 30 in um, February is a bit of a surprise. I think people maybe think of him as a bit older because he did um, he did arrive so young when he was at Ajax and, and even when he joined Tottenham, he was still very young. Um, but it is possible. I mean, he, he certainly looks liberated um, and it, it will be really interesting... To see what happens in the summer Mm. because he'll have gone from, you know, it felt at the time that Brentford were almost not doing him a favour, but they were definitely taking a massive leap of faith. All of a sudden, if, you know, we are to believe, you know, which all evidence suggests is the case that he's absolutely fine and is the player he once was, then all of a sudden he, it's a massive mismatch with all due respect to Brentford because he is, still looks like an elite player And then it becomes very interesting what happens next, whether he feels a sense of loyalty to them, Hmm. or whether it does just prove to be a really important stepping stone.
2: What does happen next, Charlie?
3: Well, I mean, what Brentford are saying is that they'll—it's nothing's going to be decided before the end of the season um, on his future. Obviously, his contract only is up last until the end of the season. Tottenham, obviously, there's a lot of noise there because of their past and all of that and the fact that Conte as well well Conte exactly and in February Conte was asked about it and this sounds a bit like kind of nonsense transfer speak but he he definitely didn't rule out um, you know, Ericsson rejoining, but it was one where being in the room, he could easily have played it down, but he didn't. He chose not to. He was full of praise for Ericsson. They had this chance encounter because the hotel uh, where Conte has been, uh, Ericsson was, and they didn't realise, and they had this kind of emotional reunion, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I don't know how good a move that would be in some respect. I don't know if it would feel like a bit of a... Uh, not a backward step, but kind mm. of j- just kind of cling on to the past a little bit, bit for both parties. And um, that can work, but we've also seen many times when it can't. But yeah, I mean, also Conte, as you know very well, he, even the club's philosophy and transfer priorities, assigning players like Benton, Kulusevski, of that kind of age profile, a bit younger, kind of early mid-twenties, who are good now, but also have many years ahead of them. Eriksson doesn't fit that, but... I don't know how much Conte personally would mind that if he had the sense he was getting a ready-made, very, very good player who could slot in and wouldn't cost anything, a well, mm. transfer fee-wise anyway.
2: Spurs may need a bigger squad next year, of course, if their uh, current Indeed. trajectory continues. Uh, Colin Miller making the point that Ericsson's one of a whole rash of excellent January signings that rather give the lie to the notion that you can't really strengthen in the mid-season transfer market. Other examples being Kulosevsky, Luis Diaz, Cucinio or the uh, Trippier burn Regos again yeah maybe not Obama Yang that's worked out for uh, Barcelona Vlajevic, Bentancur yeah yeah mm.
6: I think it's those players who um they are motivated for their own career to move so almost without exception on that list they are players who needed a fresh start and whose clubs needed a freshness within the squad. And I think that's where you get that marriage where both are motivated to, to make it work from the off occasionally I think with January transfers particularly the larger ones and, and Lewis Diaz isn't an exception to this is it, it feels like the club are buying them now in preparation for next season which means you get mm. a kind of slowish six month run in which actually can hamper a player because you then start next season almost from behind the start line uh, that doesn't seem to have happened this January there are a lot of clubs who um, who needed that freshness across the squad and and players who, who pretty much fit the bill perfectly and for pretty low fees as well we should say I think of that list Diaz was the most expensive and he is clearly one for the future as well as one for the now so it it didn't feel in this January that clubs just threw money at players maybe apart from Villa and Everton threw Mm. money in terms of transfer fees and wages at players because they could rather than because it made sense
2: a couple of other things on uh, Ericsson and Brentford. One is that you often see players returning from, say, a major knee injury or something and a little bit tentative when they come back. There's a nervousness about getting stuck into the tackles. For me, I would be terrified in his position going back onto a, a football pitch. And maybe that says more more about me than him. But it is extraordinary how he does seem liberated uh, by his return. The, the, the second thing is we should presumably be giving a certain amount of credit as well to uh, Thomas Frank, and uh, and two, you know, the rest of the the Brentford side.
6: Yeah, I mean, he, he's a facilitator in that team. Brentford's biggest problem in the first half of the season after their excellent start was that teams pretty much worked out that all the creativity was coming down the wings and there wasn't an awful lot of creativity from the centre of midfield. And that's one thing that very obviously Ericsson corrects. And it isn't just, therefore, about the chances he creates, it's about the space that he creates for others and that, you know, the opposition players that are drawn towards him because he is easily Brentford's most you know elite creative player um so it, yeah it completely fits on, on the injury thing i wonder if it's different because it is something that was so i mean it happened on a football pitch of course but it was so non-football in inverted commas that i wonder if that gives you a different psyche or can a completely different mode on it and I, I i guess ericsson has been given all reassurances that he is healthy to continue i think with knees for example it's a bit different customary Forrest mentioned here but I remember Chris Cohen who who had three knee ligament injuries you know two on one knee and one on the other and he was saying you are scared that first mm. tackle you know he he was having to relearn how to run again and that first 50-50 you are scared and it's those 50-50 where you're scared where you're more likely to get injured I, I guess the same doesn't really apply with Ericsson
2: no, I, I totally get that. But had I almost died or yes, technically died for a bit same. because I ran around on a football pitch, I would be nervous the next few times that I ran around, or probably every time I ran around on a football pitch or anywhere after that. But I mean, all credit to him for, for really seizing this in the way that, that, that he has.
4: I think in Ericsson's case, you, you, have to, you have to come to that decision pretty early, don't you? And, it, and it's not so much about getting out onto a football pitch. It's probably the first time he went for a run or mm. anything like that. So by the time he's actually got out onto a football pitch and he's completed however many training sessions and he's gone through all the tests, I think you, you've made that decision by that point. But like you, James, I was nervous about watching him, ne- never mind f- from his point of view. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, y- all you can do is, is say that he's got incredible mental strength as, uh, as well as incredible powers of recovery physically, I guess.
2: Absolutely. Long may it continue. You mentioned Chelsea's traditional post-spring international break blues because it was literally this time last year that they lost 5-2 at home to West Brom. That West Brom. That was straight off an international break. That was just before a Champions League game. That's all there is to it, Matt, you think?
4: Well, they were able to compartmentalise that pretty effectively last Mm. year. Um, I know the players have got a, a day off today to kind of get it out of their system as were, but... Chelsea did definitely need some changes over the summer. I think that this definitely highlighted that. It was strange to not play with a with a back three. I thought it was strange that Trevor Chalobah, for example, was not even in the squad when he had that bit more mobility when you're playing against two strikers, which is very rare to see in the Premier League these days. And you've got, you know, Aspilaqueta 32, Alonso 31 and Thiago Silva what, 37. 38 against them so there's some question marks on the team selection there I also probably would have started with Kepa in goal given that Mendy had played 120 minutes in Africa midweek and I think he was culpable for at least one of the goals here Um, it it depends what they can do obviously we don't know what they can do in in terms of the turnover of players but you look at the likes of Marcus Alonso Timo Werner Ruben Loftus-Cheek it's very difficult to see them having any kind of long term future at Chelsea and and even if the new owners aren't particularly keen in investing heavily in the squad I think if you put Armando Breuer and Conor Gallagher in in a couple of those positions next season that's an immediate revitalisation of that particular area of the team but yeah I'd say you know they'd won 12 of their previous 13 games and drawn the other one nil-nil and lost the penalty shootout so they have a fairly gentle run in Chelsea I don't think there's any danger of them not finishing in the top four and, and if they go beat Real Madrid on Wednesday night then we'll just look back and laugh in the way that we did it. Big Sam inspiring a five goal win at Stamford Bridge last season.
2: Uh, we'll be talking about Chelsea's game against Real Madrid in Tuesday's Euro edition of the Totally Football Show we'll also be discussing uh, Liverpool, who are taking on Benfica. That's Tuesday, as is Man City's clash with Atletico Madrid, which, Daniel, you'll be present for. Uh, Villarreal-Bayern, the other midweek tie in the Champions League.
6: Yeah, it's... um, I mean, City are are purring at the moment. Um, It's a really... I mean, it's a really interesting matchup for me just because Atletico kind of completely neutralised Manchester United in the last round. I mean, Manchester United fans do not need any... Um, extra evidence that their team are light years behind City neighbours. But if City can kind of dominate or, or stop Atletico dominating in the way that Manchester United, unfortunately for them, allowed them to do, then you can't really look beyond a, a comfortable City win, particularly with Raheem Sterling in back at absolute top form. I thought one of the really interesting things of this weekend was Guardiola saying that kind of being surprised at how, just how much a difference being given the England captaincy for the first time um, Sterling over the, over the international fortnight believes it's kind of completely re-energised him. And I was, I was kind of thinking about that and, you know, we talk about feel good stories with Christian Eriksen, but it's not that long ago that Sterling was being vilified by supporters and national media and was a kind of scapegoat of the England team. And he's now, come completely full circle to to wear the captain's armband. And I can imagine it would revitalise him, not least because he's not been in the City team all season and it doesn't seem to have affected his standing in Gareth Southgate's eyes. Mm. All right, well, big game coming up then Tuesday against Atletico Madrid.
2: Liverpool, as I say, against Benfica, who sprang possibly the surprise of the last 16 by knocking Ajax out of the tournament. So it can't be underestimated. Uh, Also coming up in your Euro fixtures involving Premier League teams, You've got your West Ham, Leon, and we'll be chatting about the Foxes and their 1-1 draw at Man United at uh, the weekend. Of course, they're taking on PSV. That's in the Europa Conference League, quaintly enough. Mm. Very good. Matt, did you want to say anything about Real Madrid before we roll on to Spurs?
4: Uh, oh, it's always interesting when uh, Carlo Ancelotti comes back to Stamford Bridge. It's a shame that Eden Hazard's not going to be able to, but it, it, I'm also intrigued to see what kind of reception Thibaut Courtois gets on Wednesday because obviously there weren't supporters in the stadium when Chelsea played Real Madrid last season obviously he's got previous playing against Chelsea for a Madrid side in the Champions League and, and doing for them and, and much was made at the time of, of the uh, respective ways in which he and Eden Hazard exited Stamford Bridge and um, there's a bit of rancor there so be would be interesting hmm. to see whether he's um, welcomed back or not
2: all right more more on all of that in the Euro Totally Football show, probably from about midnight on Monday if you're up. Good. Next up on this show, though, let's tackle more on that race for top four.
1: It's the Paddy Power Football Supporter Support Line and we've got Simon from Manchester on the line. Yeah, I'm stressed about the potential of a Liverpool City Champions League final, Paddy. Sounds like an epic, Simon. Yeah, but one team's going to come off really badly. Who's that? My lot money united it's not always rewarding being a football fan but if it's rewards you're after try paddy powers bet builder and get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four-fold bet builder lets you down paddy power pre-match online bet builder bets only min odds one to five per leg. max free bet 10 pounds per day seven day free bet expiry excludes enhanced match odds eligibility restrictions and t's and c's apply 18 plus be
5: this is the totally football show part of the athletic podcast network The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pearce, Ollie Kaye and the very best football writers around.
0: Here's Song. Lucas Moura. Got away from
1: Byrne. He's through. Steven Bergwijn. Only just on the pitch. And he makes it five.
2: Try to race his tight. Race for fourth even tighter at the time of recording. Just goal difference between North London Chums, Spurs and Arsenal who are both five points behind that Chelsea. The Gunners can close that gap to just two if they get a result away at Palace on Monday night. Hmm. Meantime, Spurs, they're the team that's laid down a marker with that 5-1 win over Newcastle. Daniel and Charlie, you were both there to witness this.
3: Very much so. Hmm. Yeah, um, they're in a really good run of form now. I mean, five league wins in six, Spurs and... um, does feel like it's clicked, certainly in an attacking sense. I was saying earlier, it's a little bit reminiscent of Liverpool in 2013-2014 when they've got this incredible front three and, and they just look like scoring so many goals in all the games they play. And and yesterday was all about the fact that you had Kane and Son, who were brilliant again. Kulusevsky as well has added so much to, to really complete that front three. He gives them actually another... Link man, someone who can stitch things together that they haven't really had since Ericsson went, or they've only really had Kane to do it. They've been so reliant on him to provide that creativity. Now they also have Kudosevsky. Son is back on one of these hot streaks and, and looks so hard to play against. Um, but also, you've got this situation where Emerson Royale came in, who's had a bit of a hard time this season. Matt Doherty has often, you know, for the majority of his Spurs fans, been a bit of a figure of fun and he's over on out of position on as uh, left wing back Emerson Royale, who's really a fullback essentially out of position on right wing back and both of them score. They combine for uh, the fourth goal. It just feels like the, what Conte wants where he wants the system almost to be King that anyone can just come in and it doesn't really matter so much because they're all so well drilled. They all know exactly what they're doing. This and he was he really warmed to that theme after the game and I think it was one of the most satisfying performances for him Uh, you know wing back to wing back is kind of that platonic ideal of of a Conte team And, and so seeing it done by the essentially the third choice left wing back to the second choice right wing back Says a lot. There was a moment it switched a couple of weeks ago when Conte, having been quite reserved about this team's ambition, suddenly was. It was almost like a manifesto launch. It was like, yeah, we're going for the top four. We're in this race, and you can see all the players are echoing that as well. It's clearly uh, the message. You know, we're we're coming for you, Arsenal, and the the momentum does feel like it's with them at the moment. That um, they, uh, yeah, they're on a really really good run. Christian Romero as well, absolutely sensational again.
6: um, Charlie's absolutely right when he says that kind of the system is king because you you got the sense yesterday that Conte, the way that front three were playing, Conte could probably have put Eric Dyer at right wing back and I don't know, uh, maybe... Joe Roden at left wing back and it would have sort of still sorted itself out because he, he asked those players to get so high up the pitch that they demand that the game is stretched wide and that a defence is stretched wide. And then you've got what was basically a, a, a sport inside it, inside the game, which was Dan Byrne kind of having to run out to fu- put out various fires. And every time he kind of was forced out of the fence. first time it was Kane and then it was Son and suddenly it was Kulisewski who was having to chase. And he just kind of looked like a man who, who didn't know where to go. And that's the system being king because when you stretch the pitch that much and you provide that width so high up the pitch, it means that Kane's son and Kulishevsky can basically be within about 25 yards of each other and all change position, all link with each other. And it's it's basically impossible to stop once they get it right, I think.
2: Is that something you can do against this Newcastle side, but not against all teams? Uh,
6: I think, yeah, I think it, it, it helps that that damn what dan burns good at is heading out crosses and organizing a defense what he isn't good at is getting dragged into various different positions off uh, across the pitch he's not particularly quick fabian share isn't particularly quick uh newcastle actually frustrated tottenham really well by sitting deep in the first half and spurs mm. were probably lucky to to go in at half time level but they just had that 20 minutes where it clicks and and i think yeah you can't stop that the issue is for spurs is going to be as they know is when teams A, their defence is not quite on it or their central midfield isn't quite on it and it allows teams to get a bit of a head of steam against them because then that front three can be a little bit isolated. But against the weaker sides, with that platform, there should be no problem in winning those games, I think.
3: But what I think is really interesting, two. I mean, one, Newcastle, they they were on a decent run defensively. I mean, they hadn't conceded more than a goal in their previous 11 games, um, as in in the same game. Um, You know, so it wasn't like a complete cakewalk for Spurs uh, in that sense. That said, they did sort of fall apart defensively after conceding the first. But the other interesting thing is that, you know, when you play Tottenham, everyone knows the way to play against them and to make life difficult for them is to sit deep. Don't push onto them. Don't allow them those spaces that Conte desperately wants to try and exploit. But what they do so clever, and I don't know exactly how they do this is they kind of lay traps and force you out. Like in, in the West Ham game, David Moyes, you know, a manager who we associate with being able to organise a defence and get them to sit back and frustrate, clearly knew this. And yet they were weirdly playing a sort of high line. And it's because, to some extent anyway, they they, they force you out with, with some of the clever movement. I mean, Kane does it. And they leave these spaces in. So even though you know that the way what you're supposed to do, it's really hard to then do it. And Newcastle... For the first forty minutes, did that quite well. But as soon as they conceded, they looked completely frazzled, and I think that will happen uh, to to other opposition again because this front three is is so fluid the way it moves. It, it is really hard to just sit and keep your shape.
6: I think mm-hmm. one of the one of the reasons maybe for that is that Kane and Son, as well as being brilliant at pretty much everything else, are fantastic shooters from outside the box from twenty five yards. Mm you know, twenty five yards plus. And generally, I mean, I know Hjoburg occasionally does it and people groan because he he shoots from range, but, when they drop deep, if you then give Kane 15 yards to run forward with the ball, he will shoot and he will probably get it on target. And there's a reasonable chance he'll also score. And I think managers hate that. Managers hate the idea of your defence sitting deep, someone picking it up, running at you, no know one stopping them, and then them scoring because it looks like a kind of mm. abject. You know, it looks like you've just given up the ghost. So you, 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 I think you're right. You do end up being tricked into following him, which then creates the space in behind for Son and Kolesovsky.
2: And even if he doesn't shoot, he's probably laying on a magnificent ping ball across <laughs> yeah. the field to, to Son. And everyone's then post-game analysing it and saying, why why did they give him that space? Harry Kane, in 2022, no one has scored more Premier League goals than him. And no one has provided more Premier League assists either. Just remarkable stuff. All right, well, as you say, Antonio Conte laying down, well, kind of in a tentative fashion, saying it would take a miracle against the these other sides, against our rivals, to finish fourth.
3: What he said just on that, though, hmm. that, that miracle thing, he was saying really that for either Arsenal or Spurs, it would be a miracle to finish in the top four in the context of the fact that the big four, such as they are, are should in theory be so much better. It was more a dig at United, I think. Right? Uh, he very much thinks, right, at the moment, they, they can they can get it.
2: Gentlemen, you asked for a miracle. I give you Manchester United. <laughs>
4: <laughs> just on the... Um... On the top four thing, do do we know when this Spurs-Arsenal game is going to be slotted in yet? Because that that feels really significant given that Arsenal have got a run of Chelsea, Man United and West Ham three games in a row. And if if it comes somewhere during that and, you know, they've lost a bit of form by that, maybe that would be telling? Or are they keeping it it for the the penultimate game? It will be a bit later than that. So the expectation is it will
3: be the week of the week starting 9th of May. Um, which would mean for Spurs it would come in between a trip to Anfield and a home match against Burnley. For Arsenal it would come between a home game against Leeds and an away match against Newcastle. So that it won't quite be that no- nightmare run, but um, yeah, it's it's going to be massive. Um, it-
6: and, and Sky will want that game, understandably, as given that it's a kind of free form where it goes in the calendar they will want that as late as possible I I saw May the 12th mention which it says Mm. the the Thursday of that week that Charlie mentions and they will want that because it it kind of feels like next weekend is the title potentially the title shootout Guardiola certainly says he expects both Liverpool and City to win all their other games Um, so that might be the thing but come the final two weeks of the season
4: that placement would be good for Spurs then because their last two home to Burnley away to Norwich both of whom might be relegated by that mm. point Arsenal got Everton on the last day you might need something from that so maybe that works in Spurs favour Remarkable
2: Alright well Daniel just mentioning the fact that Man City hosting Liverpool next weekend we'll be having a look at how they got on this weekend and the other Premier League results in a second or two
1: Keep listening for Charlie Eccleshare versus Dom Fifield in the Inter Totally Cup, sponsored by Paddy Power, and it's live-ish.
5: We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to the Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's dot com slash totally. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which is excellent news for Everton fans when they make their Lampardian transition from serious to funny to serious once again. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. Online exclusives and T's and C's apply.
2: Oh look, they had a World Cup draw on Friday. Who sat through this?
4: Not me. I was in the air, fortunately, watching my son watch Encanto on an iPad. And I think I probably had a much better time than than anybody watching Jermaine Genis. I thought you meant
6: trampolining,
2: Matt. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Mm. Well, what you missed was England drawing Iran, USA and either Wales. What one of Wales, Scotland or Ukraine. I'm I'm of the opinion that you can't use either when there's three options. Is that
6: fair? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay,
2: so one of Wales, Scotland and Ukraine. Elsewhere, group draw highlights included Spain and Germany both getting lumped into Group E together. Ghana and Uruguay both in Group H together. Luis Suarez, Mm. yeah. And Brazil, Serbia and Switzerland in the same group, which is exactly how it was in the last World Cup as well. Which is the group of death? Well, here's Colin Miller's answer. This is a trick question. Every group is being played in Qatar stadiums constructed by migrant workers. Who endure appalling conditions and resulted in multiple fatalities. So each one is a group of death.
6: I'd Boom. say it's I'd say it's that answer and also Group F.
2: What's in uh, Group F, Daniel?
6: Well, Group F I think is the most interesting. That's Belgium, Croatia, um, Morocco, and I should remember the other one if I'm going to talk about it. Uh, Canada. <laughs> oh, uh, I think that's Ooh. the most interesting group for sure. But the others all seem to have a sort of a different a vague feel of something else familiar. So that, that Spain and Germany group feels like a, a kind of, I don't know, they'll both go through and it'll be a shootout. So it feels like kind of kind of Euros game. As you mentioned, the other groups all have this sort of odd history. So you've got England, USA from 2010, and you've got mm. Ghana, Uruguay. So yeah, I think that, that Belgium, Canada, Morocco, Croatia feels like the most I've simulated a World Cup draw, and this one okay. looks tasty group. Right, nice. It's
3: fresh
4: uh Iran yeah. v USA in the uh, in the mm. England group as well that Repeat 1998 of one. yeah yeah, yeah. Remember that the, the most politically charged game mm. in history with its own wikipedia page
2: is that right mm. I was it Santetien i went to that i think
4: the uh, there will
2: there'll be lots of unfamiliar things as well and i think that a lot of them will kind of dawn on us only as we get closer one of them is the fact that the first games at 10am on a monday i mean it's an interesting looking game Senegal against the Netherlands with your Mané against Van Dyke subplot, but
6: it's 10 a.m. on a Monday morning. I think the thing that's going to be weirdest that will dawn on people who who remain in you know aren't going and remain in England is that it's going to be dark by like 4 p.m. So there's no, you know, there's no beer gardens. There's no well, there is. You're in two coats watching it inside probably than outside. So that 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 does feel odd. So we very all well throwing your beer in the air, but if it freezes in mid-air, it's not got quite the same. Impact. I bet there will be beer gardens. They don't oh, know. there will be beer gardens. I'm sure. Will, yeah. yeah, maybe All sort right. of. Maybe a sort of a mulled wine craze could hit. Hmm. Yeah, that would be nice. 10 a.m. A month. So, is it going to interfere with this recording? Ha! Have they not thought
3: of that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question, actually, uh, Charlie. We have been in talks with FIFA over this. and We can reveal our World Cup schedule in due course, but I think we'll probably wait for the game to finish before. <laughs> Before reeling our thoughts. Excellent. All right, well, let's uh, let's get uh, some opinions about the top two. Ahead of their meeting next weekend, City winning 2-0 at Burnley and Liverpool 2-0 winners at home
6: to Watford.
2: Any fresh conclusions before the the, the meeting the at the Etihad?
6: I think the whole narrative of the game is that there aren't any fresh conclusions. That's kind of entirely the point, is that for seemingly two months, these and it feels, now feels like that for the last three years that these these teams win incessantly and for about two months until they play each other to create this grudge match in which both of them know exactly what the other will try and do and yet are perfectly capable of stopping it with their own weapons. So Liverpool will try and start very quickly. We might see a return to that Jurgen Klopp 4 4 with the four forwards that he's tried to play against City in a kind of relentless steamroller in the first 20 minutes and if they score in that period i think they'll win the game and if they don't score in that period i think they won't win the game i i, I honestly think that's it, it sort of reverts to type and yet it, it manages to still be incredibly entertaining because of the quality of players on show
3: sure. i just think the good th- the really good thing is that this time they will actually play each other i think the only thing missing from that last run was that from in 2018-19 from mid march when liverpool drew with everton they both just won all their games which was exciting to a point but there wasn't that kind of heavyweight battle between them. So uh, whatever happens, I think that is to be cherished, even if the game itself is a letdown, just the build up and that feeling of excitement and, and the sense that because of that recent history of City just winning all their games. I know Liverpool, the, the talk is that, you know, it's just a game they can't afford to lose, which is true, but you do feel this is their this is their one shot to have it in their own hands. And, mm. um, you know, it's it's a folly to rely on anyone else to do a favour against City.
2: Yeah. When City take the lead, as they did in this clash at Turf Moor at the weekend, they always win this season. They haven't dropped a single point from a winning position in the Premier League. No team in the league's history has ever gone a full season without dropping a point from a winning position. Just throw that little stat in there. Of course, we'll be talking about Man City, Liverpool more on Thursday. But as for well, Watford and Burnley, the beaten sides here, Burnley, were they saving something perhaps for Everton's visit on Wednesday? Everton, you'll recall, are just three points clear of Watford, who they have a game in hand on, and only four points clear of Burnley, who they don't, and who they visit in that very key game midweek.
4: Hmm. I don't think Burnley were saving anything. I don't think they've got anything. I mean, having seen them live recently, their defending is absolutely atrocious to, to the point of being non-existent. I, I think they're absolutely nailed on to get relegated at the moment, despite really? the long grass at Turf Moor, um, you know, which they're trying to use to their advantage. But they can't defend. They haven't scored in any of their last four games. They've got Everton and Norwich next. I mean, even if they win those two, can you see them winning any other game between now and the end of the season? Not based on, I, on what they've shown us.
6: I I can because I'm kind of hardwired to think that they will. I mean, they, we should say that Everton are the best team to play at home at the moment. Everton haven't won away since they hmm. won at Brighton in August, um, which is a heck of a long time for, um, for Everton under various different managers as well and no one's been able to get a tune with Lampard has sort of slightly scaled back his where are your bollocks um comment <laughs> to the players from last weekend which is is nice to see but they weren't I mean maybe they did show more of their undercarriage and the fact that they had a man sent off and committed quite a lot of fouls against West Ham but it doesn't seem to have done them any good mm. I can see Burnley winning that game and I think if they do win that game I think Everton will immediately fall into absolute, abject chaos because, um, yeah, I, I, it's all very well having games in hand, but games in hand are counterproductive for Everton at the moment because they lose it and everyone feels worse about themselves.
2: Right. Well, they have such a terrible run it as well. So they're at yeah. Burnley midweek, then they're at home to Man United, which, eh, but still Man United. Then they're at home to Crystal Palace, then Leicester, then they're at Liverpool, then they've got Chelsea, then they're at Leicester. Their last two games are at home to Brentford and then away at Arsenal. That is, I mean, it's by far the worst in of any of the sides down at the bottom. Do you think then that just as Charlie, I think, dubbed this Saturday's game as the end of the title race one way or another, that this is going to be the key match Wednesday for the relegation battle?
4: Yes, definitely. Yeah, but Everton do have two games against Leicester. To come and and Leicester hmm. might very well be focused on on the Conference League at that point. So I think I think that's a potential cheat code for them. But yeah, this is obviously a massive game, and Everton are, are so dreadful. It might help them they don't have Michael Keane for this game because he's up there for for the worst players in the Premier League this season.
2: That's a positive, you think, Matt?
4: I think so. Yeah, based on on how he's performed throughout this season, um, you'd say it has to be. But. I mean, he's going to come in. who's any better, I suppose. Maybe Mason Holgate goes back to defence, and and maybe Deli Ali gets a game. But they are dreadful, aren't they? I mean, as as Daniel says, very interesting to see Frank Lampard go from from stick to carrot. But it, it already feels a bit desperate. He, and even even though he did that and kind of praised his players in in the post match interview, his reaction to Keane getting sent off, I thought, was very very telling. That kind of smirk of ah, oh, these chumps, they've they've done it again. What, what mm-hmm. am I working with here? Kind of thing.
2: Do you go from looking for bollocks to facing the sack? I wonder. <laughs> could be the, nice
4: could
2: the prospect. Uh, with the, the score The scoreline and the the way the game went, it seemed like Everton made a bit more of a go of it at actually getting a point away from home this time. I, I should mention, by the way, that it's not just away from home; they've been struggling since the start of October. No one has taken fewer points in the Premier League than Everton.
6: They they, they show a bit of fight, but then as it's almost like the game's in hand theory and it becomes counterproductive in that they haul themselves back into the game as they did against West Ham after being pretty poor in the first half and then something goes wrong that means they end up losing the game two mm. or three times over and, you and that card yeah and that that becomes that seriously does become counterproductive because it suggests to players psychologically that we need to you know we need to almost get back into a game three times just to take a point and that must wear down your spirit. There must be a feeling, a mood at the moment of, at Everton. Lampard's got two options in, in terms of what he's saying. It's either that the players aren't trying, which is what he, he intimated last week, which is his job to solve and is pretty worrying scenario, or that it's the players are playing so badly and so low on confidence that it looks like they aren't trying, which is just as bad because again, it's, it, it has to come down to him now to improve them and, um, you know there aren't any more transfer windows left. Everton have done all their business and things haven't improved. It is, it is interesting
3: looking at Lampard and we'll come onto it maybe later. Stephen Gerrard, who's yeah. taken a similar kind of, well, I mean, what did he say? It was kind of extraordinary that you yeah, know, yeah, the, I'm, I'm, the I'm players write, aren't good enough. And yeah, I'm
6: going to write on this later. He he said he basically said, look, I'll after the weekend he said, look, if these players aren't good enough, I'll mm. buy load, I'll find some who are, and you think well. Nine of the fourteen players you used this weekend arrived at Villa since June twenty twenty. Like you can't just keep buying a new team, mm.
3: but but exactly, and, and it just feels like you know. I think a lot of people. I find it really interesting because Lampard is widely loathed, and that's maybe maybe that's obvious given he played for Chelsea, was very successful, seems self confident. You know all things we hate in an English footballer, <laughs> but. I, I don't know if part of it does tie into this sense of entitlement and that him and Gerard have had a massive leg up, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think they help themselves when they talk in this kind of way, which, as Matt says, with that red card, the sense you get is a little bit like, oh, this is all a bit beneath me. But, you know, here I am. They're not at my level. and that And that was always the thing said about Glenn Hoddle, wasn't it? That he was because he'd been this extraordinary footballer. He did. He genuinely, at times, seemed to not be able to comprehend that other players couldn't bend one in off either foot into the top corner from thirty yards. And it, it's just interesting seeing that play out. That it's kind of exactly how you might have thought Lampard and Gerrard would approach management, with this slight feeling of superiority, and that you know the the, the players aren't quite good enough for them.
2: In Gerrard's defence, he did do, I think, what was widely hailed as a pretty bang up job at, at Rangers. That's before. true. That's true. Before joining Villa, where things started to very well, but have rather stopped now. Five defeats in the last eight. Of course, the last one coming in, a match which they don't care very much about, but will certainly do, as we learnt on Thursday. Uh, the game at Molyneux, finishing 2-1. 2 1 to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Stephen Gerrard, it's a game we never turned up for. The players in the building have to help me fix it now. If not, we will get players who will help me fix it
6: you know, it's not a football manager, that unfortunately you can't just keep spending and spending to buy new players. And when you look at something happening like Fabio Silva bullying Tyro Mings off the ball repeatedly, that suggests a a fairly serious issue. They also seem to have become this Philip Coutinho team where, when he performs well, which he, he really did in... Three, I think in three of the games since he's joined Villa looked brilliant and in all the others when he, he doesn't quite turn up or doesn't get the space to turn up and Wolves were marshaled him brilliantly Villa looked like that's plan A plan B and plan C and that just stri- strikes as a remarkable strategy to have given that Coutinho is only on loan and is not necessarily going to be there next season
4: mm-hmm. that, and that, again that speaks to the kind of almost transience that Gerard seems to be using as a way to to manage and that Coutinho is not going to be there and he's saying all all these players well they're not going to be here next season, well, there's still quite a few games of this season left. You know, <laughs> if, we, if, we, if we finish the pod today and Charlie texts me and says, you were crap today, but I'm stuck for people for the rest of the season, so I'm still going to keep using you for, for future <laughs> pods. Am I going to do as much prep for the next one? Probably not. You know, so, yeah. Am I going to turn up on time? Maybe. But it just seems very short-termist to say that.
2: But, but, but Matt, if Charlie says, you know, clearly he wouldn't, but if he were to say, if you don't start doing some prep... I will get other correspondents in then you 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 might and i, I mean it's the I mean for
4: clarity I, I have done some prep but also i'm i'm a very i'm a very modern type of podcaster in that i, I benefit much more from an arm around the shoulder than a couple right, of the bumps right. so I'd, I'd rather he said i thought you did this well but this is where you can improve <laughs> mainly the timing uh, quiz, is that what you say
2: a producer charlie's just been on to say can you clarify that it's producer charlie he's talking about rather than Charlie Eccleshire. He's unaware that Charlie Eccleshire often sends round post-podcast <laughs> thoughts about everybody else's... I like
3: to keep people on problems. their toes.
2: <laughs> uh, Wolves, seventh place, will guarantee them the drama that is the conference league, uh, the Europa Conference League, uh, next season, unless Palace win the FA Cup. Uh, the club currently in that prestigious seventh place uh, are Man United. Can Wolves finish above Man United?
6: Yes. Of course, if Manchester United continue to be as monotonous uh, and as predictable as they are, then absolutely they can, yes. Mm. Man United, who were uh, monotonising their way to a 1 1 draw against Leicester, although
2: they were a little bit fortunate, were they, to get a point from this? Should that Leicester, what would have been a Leicester winner, have been disallowed? Mm.
6: I, I, I don't think... I, I think that was a fair intervention. I think I think that was a, a foul. I do think there was probably a red card for a, a, an earlier challenge, which together maybe they think they're a bit unfortunate. And De Gea made a, a fantastic save from Wesley for and, and Leicester were the better team. So in, in that sense, yes, they were lucky to get a point. Um, they just don't seem to... It, it, it looked, with Manchester United at the moment, and, and Saturday was a perfect example, it looks like they've just arrived at the ground, walked onto the pitch and then said, right, how, what are we going to do today? What should we do today? And, and the answer is, oh, we'll just sort of try and muddle through and work it out. But Also, I mean, to use
2: Matt's analogy, Man United's producer, Charlie, has already texted Ralph Rangnick to say, <laughs> we will be getting another contributor
4: well, this, yeah. I, and I, I wondered actually after this game if if Ranyuk might be the worst appointment. By by a big six side like ever in the Premier League because you, you you think you know his authority in his in his advisory role is already gone that you know that's been undermined the players don't like him he's made the job for his successor much much tougher it's not like say when Chelsea appointed Villas Boas or Santini came in at Spurs or whatever you get rid of them fairly quickly and there's still time to turn things around it feels like the ramifications of this will last far longer than bringing in a manager as a manager who doesn't work out and then getting rid of it. Well, that is a good that is a good uh,
3: distinction actually because I was going off for Nuno Espirito Santo who I, who I think is one of the more baffling by a top six because at least ones that have been worse you can kind of say, okay, well I can see what they were doing but they Spurs were kind of the beneficiaries of just how bad an appointment that was because they could get rid of him in time a to get Conte and in time for Conte to salvage it. You're right that what's happened here when you go for that sec that second that that appointment midway through a season is arguably more important because you don't. Unless you're Watford, you're not. You're probably not going <laughs> to get rid of it before the end of the season, which we've kind of seen with Lampard. And I do wonder if Everton would do a Watford if you know if things get really catastrophic with like four or five games left. And we're also seeing with Rannick, and this ties into what Gerard was. Gerard's comments are particularly at odds with the growing trend in football management when you're seeing you know Antonio Conte, Jurgen Klopp, these managers who show how much of it is about coaching and that. You know, on a weekend where you've got Matt Doherty and Emerson Royale combining and looking like Carlos and Cafu, that actually, yes, it's nice to bring in better players, but sometimes you do just have to make the best of what you're given.
2: Mm. Jesse Marsh leads his new appointment. He's doing well. Three games unbeaten now for them off that one one draw with Saints, who end their four match losing streak. How about that James Ward Prowse free kick A?
6: Yes. I mean, uh, it's definitely two points dropped for Leeds. Um, they they have tricky fixtures left. They also it seems remarkable. Shows how fast the season got. They only have seven games left, which with Burnley having three games in hand, it does kind of feel like Leeds are just going to sort of claw at two or three, four, five more points, and then basically hope that nobody catches them up. But they're um, what which, eight points clear at the moment. Yeah, they're eight. Hmm. Uh, they're eight points clear of, of Watford. Uh, having only played a game more. So I think they'll be OK there. I, I think they'll be safe because of the, the two wins they got. But Leeds have still got to play Chelsea at home. They've still got to play uh, Arsenal away. They've still got to play Manchester City at home. So let's say anything in those games a bonus. Suddenly they do only have probably four games left to get to get a few more points so it was definitely two points dropped Jesse Marsh is I mean he's he's uber positive all the time and he was kind of saying this is the leads I want to see this is much more tactically what I want which is I presume in the, the game was far more dull than than their recent games against Wolves and Manchester United but yeah I I hope they don't just kind of feel that they can limp to the end of the season because I think they still need four or five more points they also I think need to start playing Joe Galehart as a striker because there's something about Dan James that managers look at him and think yeah, you could be a center forward in the in the Premier League or international level and I, I don't know what it is because he he looks like he could be quite an effective winger. He is definitely not a center forward. And Gelhardt is a kind of similar frame but he's a better finisher and is still pretty he's got his confidence is up after getting a few starts. So I think they need to go with Gelhardt up front now.
3: Mm. There's this growing trend for non-scoring strikers, so maybe they're kind of thinking James fits that new Yeah, paradigm.
6: maybe we could all have a go.
2: Yeah. I d- <laughs> Speaking of non-scoring strikers, Brighton Norwich, everybody. Uh, repeated stat from Thursday's pod: nobody scored fewer goals at home in the Premier League this season than Brighton. Nobody scored fewer goals away than Norwich. Uh, it was nil-nil last time they met. It was nil-nil this time. Graham Potter, though, revealing what the problem is: Brighton <laughs> fans stop shouting "shoot!" It's putting off our players. I can see how that would would you know put you off your step.
6: Well, I mean. They are shooting, that's for sure. Yeah. They've they, they've had one hundred and two shots since they last won and scored once, which I think was a, a Lewis dunk header from about a yard and a half out against mm. Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, if they don't shout, shout, shoot, don't shoot, and if they they do shout, shoot, don't shoot, is probably mm. the advice from Potter because they, they just, might not,
2: they it might not be shoot they're shouting actually.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's <that's laughs>
3: true. Yeah. I was saying, boo huns.
6: <laughs> they're, they're so. I mean, obviously they missed a penalty and they've missed six penalties, I think, since. I think in the last three Obviously seasons. Obviously they only... missed ability, yeah. It's just, yeah. Just, I mean, that it's was not... an
2: extraordinary miss. I, to the extent that you do wonder if people should be urinating at corner flags, it, it, there's something going on.
6: Or mm-hmm. either that, I think, or buy a, a new striker, which their fans ah. have been shouting at them to do for about two and a half years. <laughs> one yeah. of the two.
3: Neil Mopay versus Tim Crawl must be one of the aggiest <laughs> striker versus goalkeeper penalty <laughs> match. I'd love to hear the nonsense they would have been saying. to Kasmich Michael wants
6: a word, by the way.
3: <laughs> yes. But he, he's more he'd complain loads once Bay had scored. He'd find some sort of minor infringement to whinge about. But, yeah, he, he would be up there. Mm.
2: All right. Well, the Premier League weekend finishes Monday night, sort of, with that Crystal Palace Arsenal game, uh, which sounds like fun. And then on Wednesday, it's Burnley-Everton. Of course, Thursday, we'll round up those things and look ahead to what looks like another huge weekend. Uh, today... Ooh, let me just flag up the Toby Football League show is out. That's right now, is it, Matt? You've done that, have you?
4: No, not right now. It will be out later today. Um, we're going to have to right try now, and find some you, room listener. to... Yeah, right now for you, listener. But um, in terms of accuracy, we haven't recorded it yet. Uh, uh, I'm just saying that because there is a high probability that a manager will be sacked in between now and the point that we record. That's what that's what usually happens. And, and Mark Warburton is the, the latest uh-huh. candidate for that. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in the Championship. But the bulk of the show will be dedicated to uh, Paul Chuckle arriving at the Papa John's Trophy final on a moped uh, to get the match ball out. With Tim Vine. With, With yeah, Tim t- t- Vine didn't come on a moped by the looks of it. They, they both ceremoniously uh, pulled the ball out of what would be the delivery box section of the back of the moped. And yeah, uh, it was a good game, actually. Uh, Rotherham beat Sutton 4-2, but, but all anybody really was focused on was the, the pre-match shenanigans. <laughs>
2: mm. Nice. All right, well, that and more in the Totally Football League show. Also out, now or soonish. well, Tuesday, in fact, is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Matt, you had a busy weekend. You were at West Ham against Man City. There'll be talk about uh, Arsenal's massive win at Leicester as well, I'm sure, in that. We've got uh, Totally Football Show European Edition, as I mentioned before. That's out about midnight on Monday. And if you have tickets to our live show in Manchester... Ooh! The date has changed because the Premier League went and moved Liverpool's game with Man United to the same night, which is bolder them. And uh, so we've decided to move our show uh, to the 9th of August. If you have got a ticket, the Lowry's going to be in touch with you. If you haven't, uh, then you can, if you want, get one for the 9th of August. And uh, we'll be discussing a bold new season for Man United and their new arrivals come August the 9th. And, uh, anyway, uh, ooh, Uh, But if you are in the Birmingham area and you want to come and see a live presentation of the Totally Football Show, we'll be at the Glee Club on the 10th of May. Tickets available at glee.co.uk. Oh, Matt, mention all the things you were up to this weekend. You also found time to catch the extraordinary old firm game.
4: Yeah, I mean, my goodness me. Even by the standards of that match, it was... um frenetic shall we say obviously the um the story of rangers supporters putting a broken bottle uh, into joe hart's penalty area or chucking one into joe hart's penalty area at the start of the second half got all the headlines i believe a member of celtic support staff was also struck by a bottle and needed stitches which is obviously horrendous but the the game it's just i feel like i've i'm not sure if daniel or charlie have been to one but it feels like a real bucket list thing to go to an old firm derby because it is the fever around it you can't I was kind of you know half watching it whilst doing some work and and you can't do that you just get sucked in the quality is not great but the intensity of it is like nothing you see in in any other game of football which is I always find interesting for a game that happens so regularly that it manages to retain that level of of intensity it's just um yeah it's required viewing every time they do it I think how did this one finish Matt uh, Celtic won it and thereby uh, go six points clear at, at the top of the Scottish Premiership. So, mm. yeah, they very much favourites to win it now.
2: Six games to play. It looks that way. All right. Well, are we done with today's totally? No, not remotely, because next up, we're going to
1: complete the quarterfinals of the Totally Cup. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
5: On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Into Totally, so far in the
2: quarterfinals, Daniel here made Flo Lloyd-Hughes lose and we saw Duncan, Duncan, Lindsay Hooper, Dan and Duncan will face each other in the semis. On the other side of the draw, a clash with Julian Laurent brought the NG for Benji and now our French friend will face one of today's two contestants in the final quarterfinal, who are they?
5: Up first, he covers Tottenham Hotspur for the Athletics, so it's nice to give him something meaningful to concentrate on at this stage of the season. He is the Toast of Islington. It's Charlie Ecclesham.
2: Mmm, pretty sub Ben. Not sure if Spurs might have a word or two to say about that little slur, but Charlie, lovely to see you again. How are you feeling?
3: Nervous. Really? Got those butterflies, but, you know, you li- pressure's a privilege, so, yep. you know, delighted to be here.
2: Excellent. You saw off James Horncastle in round one. Let's hmm. see who you're going to be facing this time around, although I think we already know because you talked about it before.
5: And his opponent, he's the Athletics Palace supporting and an 80s music cavort in Chelsea Correspondent. Cut him open and he will definitely bleed red and blue. It's big, bad, Don Fifield. Yeah, already one 0 up in the battle of the Walk on Musics.
2: Don Fifield, welcome again
0: to the Intertotally. Thank you. Do I get a do I get a point for the music? Or not?
2: Will you need it, Don? Yes. Charlie was Charlie was mentioning before how there was a bit of a a bit of a spat about who's actually more nervous between the two of you
0: this is this is this is a foregone conclusion this is this is more of a foregone conclusion than than I don't know the victory the the, the FA Cup semi-final between Palace and Chelsea I mean it's it's just it's just gone on every level absolutely
3: this is like (laughs) Pep
6: Guardiola like you know patronising his opponent Don Fifield the little horse yeah exactly
0: (laughs) Still changed since the five substitute rule, obviously. We're all knackered <laughs>
2: now, all these little horses. So, Dom, you made short work of Tom Williams back in round one. That seems like a long time ago now. Yeah, it was. That's yeah. It
0: was a. It was back in the
2: winter, wasn't it? it was yeah. Dead of winter. Yeah. Remarkable. Yeah. A win. A win at
0: last. Yeah, Good old well, Tom. I do aim a pint for that.
2: What? Whoever gets through this one will, of course, be facing Julian Laurent in the semis, which is a pretty attractive prize. They'll also be winning £10 <laughs> which Paddy Power will place on a bet of your choice with the winnings going to a charity of your choice. Dom, who's your charity? The Children's Trust. Excellent. And what's your bet?
0: Well it was going to be how many times Martin Tyler says the Croydon De Bruyne in his commentary of Crystal Palace Arsenal tonight but I'll end it up. Apparently we couldn't get odds on that. <laughs> really? So um, we've we ended up. They've with closed Palace. the they closed the foot, absolutely. <laughs> um, so Palace, Palace to. Um, well, Charlie, want, Charlie, producer Charlie, wants to say hammer Arsenal. I'll just go with a narrow success over Arsenal tonight.
2: Okay. All right.
3: Uh, uh, Charlie, what about you, your charity and your bet? Uh, the charity is Simon Society. And my bet. Well, last time Atletico did the business for me and beat United. So this time I'm saying they're going to draw with Man City on the night this week.
2: Okay, excellent. Well, let's get our quiz on then. It is a London derby. The Spurs correspondent against the Chelsea correspondent for The Athletic. And Dom, you're up first. Dom, question one. Who does this career path belong to? Bayern Munich, Milan, Middlesbrough, Liverpool, Tottenham, Borussia Mönchengladbach? Bayern Munich, Milan, Middlesbrough mm-hmm. Spurs and then Borussia Mönchengladbach What a journey that player went on but who is he? Um,
0: is it um, oh, what was the left back? Oh, it was the left back um, oh, What was his name? He had a mean left foot um, took three kicks uh, do, 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 do.
3: What's his name? That's going to really bug me. Uh. Horncast all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, like,
0: easy. I've got another week if I'm <laughs> <laughs> Um He was called... I can even picture him. This is very What did he look like? He was quite tall. With grease, greasy sort of slick back hair. Maybe I'm completely the wrong person, actually. I might well have done completely the wrong person. Um, I'm going to have to press you for an answer, Charlie. Charlie? Excellent. Go for Oh, it. sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have to press you for an answer, Tom. <laughs> no, I can't remember. I can't remember. It's Christian
3: Zieger,
2: Who I have That's down with shaved head. Ziga. Didn't he have a shaved head? He had, both. had both.
3: He, yeah. he bleached sure when he arrived it blonde at as well. Right. Did he have a mohawk at one point? He had a mohawk, he mm. shaved it. I interviewed him once the Athletic. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, mm. Dom didn't read
0: mm. it. Unbelievable. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: so much content.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, question two for you, Dom. For which German team did Ruud van Nisseroy play? Schalke? It was not Schalke, it was Hamburg. Question 3. Which country has appeared in three World Cup finals but lost them all? The Netherlands? Is correct, Dom. Is correct. Question 4. The highest scoring Premier League game ever finished 7-4, but which two teams were involved? Um, Reading were one of them.
0: Um It was one of the North London teams, wasn't it? Let's go Arsenal. It, it, was, Portsmouth. it was Portsmouth. Oh, it was Portsmouth. Oh, sorry, apologies. Portsmouth and Reading. Yeah. All right. Question 5.
2: Yeah. Getting towards the sharp end now, Dom. <laughs> For which country does Victor Osimhen play? Um
0: <laughs> um, Victor Ozymen he sounds let's say North Macedonia
2: Dom, no that's Nigeria
6: <laughs> <laughs> Start with the right letter, half a point
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm getting that point for the beloved, yeah? right, carry on <laughs> absolutely, uh, question six who am I? I won the South American Footballer of the Year three times. I scored 84 goals for three different Premier League teams. I think that's kind of put them all together. And my club career took me to Brazil, Italy and China. Sorry for the slightly convoluted read, but South American Footballer of the Year three times, 84 goals across three Premier League teams and a club career that featured Brazil, Italy and China. Hmm. Hmm. Carlos Tevez? You're absolutely right, Dom. You are absolutely right. What an answer. Which gives you a score of two out of six in this quarterfinal. Is that better or worse than you were anticipating? Uh, I wasn't
0: anticipating anything, so um, two is actually... You know, I'll take that. All right.
2: Will it be enough? Will it be enough? Let's find out as we ask Charlie his six questions. Charlie, question one. Who does this career path belong to? Slavia Prague, Borussia Dortmund, Liverpool, Portsmouth, Aston Villa, Sparta Prague?
3: Could you say those again, please?
2: Of course. Slavia Prague, Borussia Dortmund, Liverpool... Portsmouth Aston Villa Sparta Prague Sorry, just once more? Of course Slavia Prague Borussia Dortmund Liverpool Portsmouth Aston Villa Sparta Prague Is it Patrick Berger? It is Patrick Berger Very good Question two For which German team did Raul play? That is Schalke yeah, a little bit of an assist there from Dom Fifield. Oh, I'm sure you would have known that anyway, Charlie. Uh, question three. So you're now level with Dom. And you need one of the next four questions to take a place in the semi-final. Julian Laurent awaits. Question three. Who did Liverpool sign for eight and a half million in 1995, which at the time was the British transfer record? Stan Collymore. Very good. And you're in the semi-finals. And Dom, you
0: knew that one, didn't you? I knew that one. I knew that one. I'm old enough to remember that. Congrats, Charlie. What right. a well mate.
2: Let's see what the remaining three questions would have brought. Question four. Which former Premier League manager has recently been appointed as Hertha Berlin boss?
3: David Wagner?
2: No, is Felix Magath.
3: Ah, yeah.
2: Mm. Question five. For which country does Dusan Vlajevic play? Serbia. Correct. Question six. Who am I? I won the African Player of the Year award twice. I won the Premier League four times and my club career took me to France, China, Turkey and MLS. No? Uh,
3: Four times. I'm just thinking
2: who this would have... Mm, that's very much the question.
5: <laughs> <Sorry>.
3: <laughs> also, I know it doesn't matter, but I just really don't want to get it wrong. France. Dom, do you have this? Is it, is
2: is it, is it drug
3: bar
5: Yes,
2: yes, yes. Dom yes.
6: was first, I reckon, just. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so five, at, five out of six, I well think, on, which Charlie. is pretty, pretty impressive stuff for Charlie share. which, you know, a lot of people have been touting Charlie as potential especially with the it being so wide open this time both of last year's finalists are out as you've you've spotted Daniel Story though a uh, beaten finalist in our first edition is still out there but you'll have, have to get past Jules to have a pop at him how are you feeling charlie after that a little bit less nervous now uh
3: yeah i mean obviously delighted with that and yeah as for the next round i mean jules will make it a gritty ugly affair with lots of needle but um i'm ready
2: all right. Well, Dom, congratulations on making the quarterfinals and sorry you can't continue with us on this particular journey. We look forward to seeing you back on the show in your habitual role uh, very, very soon. Many thanks.
5: Thanks for having me. Well done, Charlie. Congratulations, Charlie will You're through to the semifinals of the Totally Cup. And if you think that Charlie's onto something special with his bet that City and Atletico Madrid will draw in the Champions League this midweek, it's priced at four to one at PaddyPower.com or on the Paddy Power app. Onto accurate at the time of recording, it's over eighteen only, and please gamble responsibly. And Dom will be returning on Straight Out of Cobham with Matt
2: Davis Adams, uh, which is available, I think, very very soon. So that's the semi-final picture complete. Charlie will be facing Julien. Daniel will be going up against Duncan. Who are you most worried about? Of of those other three, Daniel?
6: The problem with Duncan is you've also got his silly little machines that he plays with uh, to come with him. So mm. that's going to be a real difficult affair. Um, right. And I was told at the start of the competition that Charlie Echolscher was the man to beat. I'm glad he's on the other side of the, the drawer.
4: Charlie's right to, to flag up Laurence as a house, by the way. I can attest <laughs> <laughs>
6: Maison de Merde.
2: <laughs> Very nice. All right. Well, those semis will be getting underway next week on the Totally Football Show. Boom. Looking forward to that. That wraps it up, though, for today's edition. Anything else anybody wants to chuck in? Or is it just goodbyes and enjoy your week and thanks for being with us? Yeah. All
6: of the above, yeah.
2: Excellent. All right. Well, uh, many thanks to you all and your listener and you, producer Charlie. And there are all those other shows out there, and then this one returns on Thursday. So do hope you'll be joining us soon for now from all of us here. It's
5: goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
0: The Athletic.